Welcome, ladies, to another episode of Her Sacred Sexuality. Today, I am excited to announce that we have a special guest, Denon Maximchuk, who is a relationship coach from Vancouver, Canada. He is joining us today to talk about everything under the sun, from masculine and feminine energy, to myths about men, to understanding the dating and relationship pool that exists today and the pros and cons within it. This conversation is chock full, and I am so excited for you guys to tune in. Welcome, Denon. You are actually our very first male guest, so Ooh, stakes are high. (laughs) Stakes are very, very high. So, Denon, can you give us a little history on yourself? How did you get here? What got you excited and invested in wanting to be a relationship coach? Short story, uh, pain and heartbreak. (laughs) I'd say the classic journey for a lot of people. Long story, I'll give it to you a little bit uh, simpler. So growing up in my teens, I was a hockey player, uh, basically just been around the boys my whole life. <laughs> um, quite masculine environments, lots of fun, lots of partying, lots of good stuff yeah. through that. Uh, eventually, I stopped playing hockey at a, at a pretty elite level and shifted into the fitness industry, where I was an influencer, as we spoke <laughs> about. Um, through that, I kind of went to school and I started to train uh, professional athletes and elite hockey players had a couple fun years doing that, but I got bored out of my tree. I just feel like I didn't have passion. I didn't have purpose. Although it's cool to see guys on TV and you definitely shed a tear when you see your guy who makes the NHL or whatever it is. That was fun, but I just, it wasn't driving me. Yeah. Um, I continued in the health industry for a while, met a girl and started to build out a beautiful and large company with her, uh, specifically in the female health space. Um, mm. because Women are very misrepresented in especially medical literature. Uh, So we built out a company and a podcast all around functional nutrition testing, mostly is what it ended up kind of being. Through that process, though, well, there's ups and downs of going into business with a partner. Yeah. Uh, These visions and ideas of what we wanted to be. But as we started to go deeper and deeper into the businesses and kind of our vision shifted on where it wanted to go within our relationship, our polarities began to shift. And at the Mm -hmm. time, we didn't know this. She started to take a much more of a masculine lead in the business as she was the much more of the face of the business, uh, mm-hmm. which was the original plan in the beginning. And I began to, as I was waiting for my time to, you know, put me in coach, waiting and waiting to put out courses and all of these things that we wanted to do. I kind of took a back seat and was almost like the house husband for a while. Now, I still had my mm-hmm. other things going on, which I was kind of clinging to, but things started to happen such as. Uh, I would start to have a low level of resentment building up for her because I just felt like I was useless. And meanwhile, so much of her nurturing and care and all of these things that I would be hoping for in the relationship was being taken and energy put into other areas. Obviously, there's so many other variables and uh, situations that we, we went through in that period. But it got to the point where it was like, hey, this isn't working. And we really didn't understand why. So I reached out and I hired a coach. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me or what's wrong with the relationship or what's wrong with her. I just didn't know. Yeah. And we started to work on me from the inside out. And from there, I started to realize, oh my goodness, this is a, the, the guy, the fellow I hired, he's a good friend of mine now. It was a very, um, I would say, non-traditional style of quote unquote therapy. Technically, it's not a therapist, neither am yeah. I. Um, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a coaching and, uh, 
yeah, we started to uncover some incredibly deep traumas from my history that have, I have, my, my person, me has perceived as certain things. And that has created all of these narratives that have then sifted into my relationships and all of these things. And I started to go, oh my gosh, nobody talks about these things with guys. And I started to realize like, oh my goodness, I think men are actually the cause of a tremendous amount of strain in relationships. So as I kept working with this coach, one of the things during this period, I I sold my shares of the business to her um, and she took it over. But one of the things that has always been the case throughout years and years and years of working with, whether that be general populations, professional athletes, or many women who are coming in with, you know, serious issues on PCOS, endometriosis, whatever it may be, menstrual issues. Um, Nobody had a person to really talk to. And I think a lot of these issues stem from much, much deeper seated things, uh, whether that be from their their childhood or things that they haven't been able to bring up yet. And then they're therefore manifest as many times medical conditions later in the future, or at least choices that lead to them and that in the future will lead to this. And so I've always had in the back of my mind. And at one point we were looking for either a therapist, a coach, or a counselor to come in just to work with people on the, uh, the rest of life rather than Mm. specific issues. This was a part of your business. We wanted it to be, but it's always in my mind. So eventually to the point then when I stepped away from the business and basically had an opportunity to reinvent myself, reinvent my life, I spent almost all my time now diving into as many books, as many courses, as, as much money as I could put into coaching to learn as much as possible. And I came to the realization, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to help people not have to go through unnecessary heartache and pain and breakups, mm-hmm. as well as in this time, help to develop men uh, in this society where they're very confused. And that's basically what's gotten me to this point today. Wow. That's amazing. That is so cool. So can you explain to our audience what the difference is between what you do and let's say like a therapist, like a licensed therapist? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I technically can't diagnose, treat, or write medications, prescriptions, right? Okay. Um, so I, I would say my, my approach with people blends your traditional streams of therapies with uh, I don't talk about it on my social media, but I, I also blend it with a, a degree of spirituality as well. And uh, usually I'll start to explain that to people within like the first call just to help set, I would say, a, a perspective and, or start to give people new perspectives and open them up to these ideas of uh, people are going to cringe when I say this, but essentially what I call modern enlightenment. Now, again, mm-hmm. I, I know people are just listening. I'm not some long haired woo woo dude wearing you know, wooden beads. That's certainly not the case, but I do think there's a degrees of perception in our realities that when people are uh, awoken to, um, will change a lot of their perspectives of how they approach their relationships. Mm. And were you always spiritual or was that something that you developed when you were going through your process? I mean, I think like everybody, I've always had the questions. Uh, I've always questioned, well, I mean, maybe not like everybody, but I've always questioned the way the world is, the way I see it through my perception, the way that others see it, uh, as well as just, you know, why are we even here? You know, and all these questions, you know, man's search for meaning, right? Uh, Yeah. But then as I started to, I would say in the past five years, got really, really deep into even some of, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Trying to remember the guy's name. I'm looking at a a shelf of books in front of me right now. (laughs) I started reading books from uh, like Dr. Joe Dispenza, a lot of people's okay. entry point into yeah. kind of like energy research and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh, there it is. Breaking the habit of being yourself. 
stuff like mm. that. And yeah, through, through coaching and through then extending through more just curiosity, I, I would dive into other areas of, of spirituality, not religious, but purely just spirituality. Yeah. I want to ask you, what would you say, like, what are your thoughts on relationships today? I mean, are you in a relationship today? Are you single? Like, how do you view what society is putting out there right now? What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? Yeah, I cry every night. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, after that last relationship that I was in where um, I learned so much in, in that situation, we did end up uh, splitting apart. I think there was there was too much to put back in place at the time. And a lot true. of times when a woman has emotionally disconnected, a woman is just emotionally disconnected. There's really not Very much true. To back to that. We did yeah. try to make it work, but we both accepted that it wasn't, it wasn't the right place. And the beautiful yeah. thing is it was the first time in my life I had purpose and a mission. Mm. And once I think most men don't realize that the reason they, I'm not, again, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation here, but I think it's a part of it. But the reason that many men experience depressive tendencies and all these things is because they don't have purpose and mission. And yeah. as cheap as it sounds, once you do have that in your life, you are woken up every day with this energy that no amount of caffeine will ever give you. Yeah. So since then, my focus has been purely on a rebuilding my life because I'm, you know, restarted a whole new career. And I'm so much more focused right now on my mission. And with the realization that my cup is full now, and it's less about unhealthy attachment styles and bringing people into my life and more so about who is actually going to supplement my life in a healthy way uh, that I'm not attaching to in my unhealthy past styles. So right now I am happily single. Ladies. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, that's great. I mean, it's one of those things because I've been married for 11, 11 and a half years now. Beautiful. And yeah, got married very young. And our audience knows all the ins and outs and the roller coaster of even Karen's relationship with her husband, my relationship with my husband. And we are so disconnected from the dating world and what it looks like out there today. It's it's wild. I mean, at least from my perspective, it's a totally different world now in terms of getting into a relationship and feeding the relationship. So what do you think and what would you say to people who are in that season right now and how do you walk through that? Because there's so much there. Yeah, there is a lot there. Um, There's a lot. Oh my gosh, there's so many things we could cover there. Pardon me, I didn't answer that question. Now, obviously, modern dating has been so influenced by technology. I mean, that's something we can't get away from. There's all these apps. I mean, we even we usually first think about dating apps. But truthfully, every social media platform now is a dating app. And there's more and more people who are finding relationships or leaving relationships, to be completely honest, due to places like Instagram. So yeah. although the increased like dating social, like the pool is bigger and it does increase the convenience that does obviously present itself with setbacks. Like I think one of the biggest ones is the paradox of choice as like best described yes. by uh, Chris Williamson from the Modern Wisdom podcast. I have such a man crush on him. He's amazing. <laughs> um, but this is basically what I call greener grass syndrome. And this is something that affects almost everybody. And this is, I, I'd say one of the reasons why I do have this element of, I don't even know if you want to call it spirituality in my coaching, but purely awareness of understanding and becoming aware of your own thoughts, why you're having these thoughts. So we can go from this, basically sitting from the seat of consciousness and and learning how to, in the very simplest way, meditate, you know, being, being able to find this, this, this place between 
a thought and an emotion and a reaction and being able to, in the middle, create a response. And the reason yeah. I say this in relation to the paradox of choice and the green and grass syndrome is because a lot of the times, um, I think this does affect every person on the planet, but with so many potential partners that are available at our fingertips and so many relationships out there to compare to, uh, many of the times people are struggling to commit or they're looking for better options or they, when they have these emotions come up of, ah, oh, this fucker was fighting with me today. Let me just take a quick <laughs> scroll on the gram and look at that one guy yeah. from two weeks ago. And then you right. start to, which I think is probably the biggest issue right now is the romanticization of many yes. of these ideas. Yes. It, this is becoming quite a bit of an issue. And this is where the paradox of choice, paradox of choice and the greener grass syndrome becomes difficult for so many people because they are so unaware and unconscious of their own autopilot systems that they're being mm. drawn down these emotional roller coasters and their mind just takes them for a ride. And very quickly, they start to talk themselves out of these relationships as the moment it gets difficult. They start to, right. um, I would say, even approach these relationships and be in these relationships with, or even just the dating process, not even in the relationships yet, but with one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. This has kind of created a, a bit of an issue where even there's actually a recent study that came out where uh, when the they asked a man, for example, uh, when's the last time you approached a woman? And 45% of the men aged 18 to 25 had never approached a woman in their life. Are you kidding? Terrifying, right? And this isn't, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that can go into this. I mean, we could look at the yeah. whole, you know, post Me Too movement, which I'm not, totally. I'm not saying that wasn't justified in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But things do tend to get blown out into mm -hmm. the outskirts yep um there were 60 to 70 percent of men in that study that cited the fear of rejection as the reason they don't want to approach but in the most simplest terms um they basically just don't want to approach and that's really kind of like the worst part about it is like they just it's not even laziness it's just almost been so tuned out of them from a young age and that kind of freaks me out a little bit so yeah i want yeah, I, I think the general dating market, I think there's a million podcasts that can talk about how scary that is. <laughs> and I don't oh want to gosh, dive yeah. into it, but it is, it's definitely a bit of a societal mess right now, mostly due to the fact that I think that most people are unaware and unconscious. They're being taken for a ride by their own minds and they, yeah. they're on autopilot. Do you feel like there's anything positive that's happening? It Like, has anything changed to a, a place from like, you know, let's say a decade ago, two decades ago that we are doing better, that society is doing, is putting a better foot forward within the dating pool. Well, don't want this to come across the wrong way, but I think we are on the upside, partly due to the fact that the, a lot of the time, the feminist movement, it, it went too far. Yeah. Um, it was really, really important for women to get these rights. Obviously, nobody's going to argue that, but it has pushed this level of sameness into society for everybody yes. that, yes, okay, I assume you've talked about this quite a few we times. We have, yes. Great, so I won't <laughs> dive into this too much, but I, then in that case, I think we can probably all agree that one thing that we're starting to now shift back towards is the realization that we are not all the same, and right. even in our own genders, we are not the same. Yes, uh, and I think it's kind of the beginning of people's own awakening processes. I can probably see that as one of the most beneficial things in 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 the kind of just society and dating pool. It's really the same thing um, mm -hmm. at the same time. Is I think people are starting to look more inward. Yeah that's going to lead to better things in the future, but we've got a lot to move through still. Do you also feel like that those who are in 
the category of like disassociation and numbing out and those who are trying to become more enlightened and tapped in that those worlds really blend? Or do you feel like there's more of a divide being created between the two? It's a good question. I think it's less of a divide and more of a divide in timeline. I think Mm. it has to happen. They will have the people who are defensive entirely will learn that they have to adapt. Yes. I think it's pushing some people away. And I think a lot of that is just simply due to the fact that you don't know what you don't know until you find out what you don't know. And even a lot of the times Mm. when you are approached or or not approached, but uh, you receive some certain information, like the guy who responded on my post this morning, I take shits bigger than you uh, in the morning. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with my content or my post. You're just defensive for the sake of being right. Or another guy who commented five seconds before that, which was, um, he just said, I just don't care. And I was like, mm. okay, so this, these are defensive males who are just not even open to these ideas. A lot of the times, probably this is due to the way that they've been raised. These are the ways. Yeah. It's just going to take them more time, probably more pain, more heartbreak in order for this to hit the stimulus on their, their version of a Richter scale scale. Uh, for them to actually choose to want to learn more and open up to these ideas. And until then, their armor is up too far. I I don't think it's, yes, I think there's definitely a divide being created, but I I don't think it's necessarily, they're not at war with each other. Uh, I just think it means that people who are very defensive, it's going to take a little while for them longer, but they, they will slowly come around, I hope. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just yeah. top of mind flow. I want to hear your opinion too on hookup culture because I know you have one. Tell us, spill the tea. <laughs> I do not participate in hookup culture. I believe yeah. there's nuance to everything I say. So please, when whatever I say in this podcast, don't think I'm right or wrong or my opinion is solidified. Hookup culture, for example, is one of these areas where I do see Sometimes people of certain ages, and I would say maturity, and I actually they think there there can be situations where it may be healthy to explore your sexuality with people. Um, for most of society, that's that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but for these very small subsects, I do think like that's why I say there's no yes or no to this. I just think there's there's some cases where it can work, but yeah. for a high high majority of society, hookup culture is damaging, very yeah. very damaging, and I, I think. It really comes back to a the hypersexualization of society that's being promoted to women, um, yeah. which is really sad. And secondly, would be um, men don't understand the power that they hold over women's emotions once they have essentially deflowered themselves to the man. Um, mm-hmm. The moment that you start to build that oxytocin bond, although men can step outside of that because we get a dopamine hit with sex. Yeah. Uh, we do develop the oxytocin bond. We essentially check the box and we're like, we achieved a goal. But right. women, it's okay from a very deep biological and even genetic probably perspective. It's like, okay, we now are going to be together forever and right. raise a family. Yes. There's a co-bonding experience that needs to be involved with it. And I think if, if you are a superior man and you understand these things about yourself, which most men don't, which is also why I don't blame them. They don't know. Right. They don't know this, yeah. uh, but if you do, you would choose to not participate in hookup culture due mm-hmm. to the fact that it is going to have emotional effects on people and you are probably going to hurt people. And I think you are a better man to, to not. Yeah. And it's, it really, there's a conviction there 
And I feel like that's something that maybe, mm, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that people don't have convictions because I think everyone has convictions, but I think it's something that, especially when it comes to sex, it's something very uncommon to see within society today of what are your convictions around sex? And a lot of people don't have convictions around sex anymore Mm -hmm. and their sexuality and who it goes to and who it doesn't go to. And, you know, there's both sides to that. There's hookup culture and there's purity culture, you know? So it's like either don't address your sexuality at all and it's bad, 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 or it's just free range and there's no negative backlash to that, which I don't agree with either. You know, I think both are very toxic and doesn't help us. And we actually had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and we talked about the oxytocin for women and the bonding agent that happens there. But also for men, vasopressin is released while they're in a relationship. And it's like, or I'm sorry, their vasopressin receptors are open during, like while they start to develop emotions for a woman, which is like their bonding mm-hmm. to the their partner, you know, which so very powerful still. <laughs> so powerful, but it's in two totally different contexts. Cause like you said, like for men, it's something that you can just check the box off, but for women, it's like, Oh, we're going to build a life together now, you know, which is yeah. like, yeah. Oh, holy yeah. shit. These are very different realities, still very real realities, but it can be hard to empathize and understand the other side. If we're not educated, if we're not fully like recognizing what's going on internally. So I love that you're putting that out there. Cause I just think there's way more out there about like sex all the time, whenever, like everything's over-sexualized and for, uh, especially a man who's out here saying, Hey, this isn't a great thing to participate in. Like it's not, especially in our world today, in our culture today, it's just, where's the benefit here? You know? So also I love long-term, that. long-term because again, yeah. come back to the term romanticization. Like um, this is essentially, I think one of the things that is also affecting people is that um, they know what they want in the short term, better they want than what they want in the long term. And they don't understand their short term, uh, what they're doing in the short term, how that could affect them in the long term. Because there's some research, although I will admit this is conflicting research, but there is research out there on specifically women, how many sexual partners a woman has, uh, premarital, premarital uh, sexual partners a woman has, and the likelihood of an effective marriage after they've been over a certain amount of partners i've even seen some data i have sorry that's a lie i haven't seen it i've heard uh from another podcaster i haven't actually looked at the research to be completely transparent but he was claiming that the moment a woman has had over two sexual partners premarital um the likelihood of a successful marriage goes down 80 percent um which is yes so um, however that also does not take into account the many other factors that also go into this. Um, wow. Like there are so many other factors that could affect that. Like that would just be a correlation, not causation. And that's very important to point out. But there yeah. is like I said, a lot of conflicting research on that. That's just the one of the crazier statistics that I have heard. And that again, is. Just heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I mean, if that is like legit that blows my mind it so 80 percent affected as in like like you're likely to divorce go down to 20 percent. but again there's so many factors that go into yeah. a successful marriage so like absolutely that is 
if, if I were to just go out there and ask a hundred people, have you had sex with three people? And oh, have you had successful relationships? It's like, again, that's yeah. just based off those numbers. We're setting this right. up to fail. Right. 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 Um, so like I said, <laughs> I haven't looked at the research and how they actually went about this study. And, and that is important as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I will, I will fact check that and we will make sure that audience is fully aware. I want to get into the myths about men because I think a lot of our, I mean, like I said, our audience is about 80% women and they, there's so many questions that come in, right? So let's talk about men and what we are maybe misguided by maybe we're being fed that just is kind of bs and what do you have to say about that so give us like the top three myths about men if you have them oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy um okay so again i can't speak for all men we're all different and this is where awareness and and self-understanding comes in first and foremost and i think you would have to ask your own man that first yes love that what is different about you than other men because most men won't want to talk about these things with other men Mm. Uh, again i just happen to grow up around like hockey cultures where it's like you're just walking around with everybody's naked in a shower right (laughs) we're we're cool to talk about anything but most guys won't have those conversations Right. Uh, obviously, I think the the first one that is really promoted in culture is like uh, obviously men aren't emotional. Like I think this is very comical. I, I think I like to comically kind of liken this to the fact that uh, women have like the the emotional sensory input availability of like the way that a bear can smell three thousand times better than <laughs> than a human. The human yeah. can still smell. It doesn't mean that the human doesn't smell. It's just yeah. not nearly at the same level. So men absolutely are emotional, whether or not they show it or not. Yeah. Those emotions are very much happening within the person. And so I think this myth is also kind of wrongfully promoting this uh, almost sigma or like the, the what I call, consider like the fake stoicism movement that's currently happening that kind of perpetuates that men shouldn't or uh, don't express these broad spectrum of emotions that are just natural for humanity. Yeah. Uh, and in many of these echo chambers, it's kind of pressurized. It, 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 I'd say it pressures people and discourages men from displaying or even discussing these things uh, with mm. their friends. So I'd say that's probably the first one is like, yes, men are absolutely emotional. Yes, they're they're less apt to understanding emotion, but it doesn't mean they're actually less emotional. Mm. Um, hopefully you have a man that controls those emotions. And that, that's really one of the biggest cornerstones of, of masculinity is his ability to, to control that. Yeah. I would say number two, and again, I'm speaking personally on this one. Uh, I think the last one is a little bit more general. Personally, men are not always ready to have sex at the drop of a hat. Ooh. I think that's probably, again, kind of going back to hookup culture. Um, although it's far easier for, to get a man's engine revving, uh, it doesn't mean that we are just these mechanical fuck machines. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's something that is like we do have varied libidos for many reasons. Women's are yeah. obviously far more sensitive. However, mm. this can be influenced by factors such as age, stress, uh, even just per- personal circumstances in your life. You just might not be interested in in sex yeah. right now, right? So understand that yes, you actually probably do have to go through a process of turning on your man. He's not just. Yeah click a button, erect. And ready, yeah, right. right. It's like, you're not right. an electric gadget. Um, so. And I can, I want to <clears throat> talk about that for a second, because 
a lot of our listeners, you know, they, we are a faith-based podcast, you know, so there's Christianity behind this and a lot of them have this fear of their men just constantly like going out into the world, seeing a beautiful woman and being like, I want to have sex with that woman. Like I want to lust over her and all this stuff. Can you speak to that a little bit? And like, specifically with this myth, is that actually happening or is that completely BS? I think it's important for all women to know this is actually, man, this is actually a good number three on this list. Uh, I could add to, I was going to add number yeah. three, fear of commitment, but I think we can add oh. this list. And that's that uh, you don't want a man that's shut off from his attraction to other women. That's a real problem. Mm, uh, wow. himself of his own biological urges he should be attracted to other women. You want yeah, him to be attracted yes. to other women because at least he's able to then bring that home to you. If he's not able to control that, then pack your bags, sis. I mean, get yeah. you got a problem on your hands, but you absolutely want him to be attracted to other women. You are absolutely attracted to other women. It, you never, ever, ever think that your man is just not going to be uh, attracted to people. He absolutely is. And you want that. It's important yeah. and healthy for him to process those, those feelings. Totally. Do you feel like the attraction versus like desire to have sex with somebody are different? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just I'm wanted a to clarify 100% that. Yeah. straight male and there's characteristics of other males. I was, I was watching a hockey game last night and during the national anthem, one of the goalies had his helmet off and I was like, holy shit, he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, yes. and men, okay. Here's, here's a better example. Men go and watch James Bond and go, yeah. I want to be James Bond. Yes, there's, there's, there's attraction of this man yes. that you look at and you go, I want that. The similar way Absolutely. that you look at a certain woman and go, obviously it's not the same, but there is attractive qualities that you are attracted yes. to, right? Yes. That might be yes. a bad example, but I think there I think there's something there. No, I totally agree. A, a conversation we've had before on the podcast is, you know, my husband will be like, wow, that woman has a beautiful butt. And I'm like, damn, she does have a nice butt. Like right. that is really great. Like, you know, there's no, because we talk about it. And so the energy doesn't get stiff or uncomfortable within our relationship because we can both recognize what's right in front of us and not be offended of attraction that should be happening. Like that is the magnetism between the masculine and feminine. Like there is a pull, there is attraction. Like that's okay. There's nothing well, wrong with that. We are so talking about two people in this exact situation that are uh, emotionally mature and don't have a ton of trauma around this because yeah. I, I have been in a situation in the past. I was out for dinner when I was traveling in Rome one time and I was admiring the simple beauty of the people there, men and women. Yeah, I made one comment. I was like, God, our server, I love that thing she's wearing. Doesn't she look so great? Boy, was I in the doghouse. And that simply, again, I'm not responsible for the way that other people are triggered by what I say, even on this podcast. If you get triggered, yeah. comment mean things on my page. I'll yeah, I'll yeah. Them, thanks you. So go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I came to the realization, I was like, oh, that wasn't a reaction to what I said. That was a person who is not uh, comfortable within themselves right now. Therefore, they feel threatened by that. Uh, which is really important to know. So you do need to understand your partner well enough. And hopefully you've had these deep enough conversations where you have yeah. open and vulnerable enough about your insecurities while still maintaining in, in the case of a man, um, your frame well enough 
Yeah. Um, you're not obviously just completely weakening yourself, but you're still being open about these things to a degree. It's, it is important. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. It depends on the dynamic of relationship, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that's important. So much of this comes back to personal awareness. Definitely. And obviously like within the relationship itself and like, you know, what does this look like for our listeners who are listening that are like, wait, what? Like, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, it's like, okay, let's, let's start looking inward. Why are you uncomfortable with that? And then there, we're not looking to disrespect somebody. We're actually looking to appreciate like what's been created, the creation in front of us. So I love that. Okay. What's the, was that our third one or do you have one? I yeah. Think the, I, the third one that was on the top of my head, I was going to say fear of commitment, but I think, I think that third one was way better because right now, like okay. I re- it's a myth that men are scared of commitment, but at the same time, I think in this day and age, man, there's been, I have, I, I think it's, we're in an age where more people are scared of commitment than ever, but it's not that people don't want it. And that's basically, mm. I think that was a softer approach, but I, I like what we came up with on that third one. That was better. I do like that one. Um, but I do want to hear what you have to say about that. What are your thoughts on commitment today? Like, why do you think people are having such a hard time? Is it because of like what we first talked about? Like the hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's our media and, you know, pop culture has kind of just created a lot of like commitment phobia. And to be completely honest, like I, I've seen, I've seen men go completely broke <laughs> wow. after being in, uh, like I, 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 for example, I know a guy who is um, really elite entrepreneur. He doesn't date without like prenups are one thing, but he won't even go into a relationship dating without having like a pre prenup signed on what's mine is mine. And I'm not even budging from this. Ooh. So yeah, it's like there, there are some levels of like predatory female behavior out there that is 100% mm. um, scary to men. I was even in a business situation about eight months ago that I won't go into detail on, but it, there was a woman involved in the business situation that uh, basically cleared out me and four other people. And so I can understand how Whoa. men to trust, men want to trust women. Um, yeah. There are these predatory women out there that make men very afraid. However, it doesn't mean that they don't want commitment. Yeah. Um, it's they, they do. They're just, they're taking their time, I'd say, and being far more tentative when seeking out uh, long-term committed partners, which I don't yeah. think is a bad thing uh, in, in a lot of ways, but yeah. I do think it's creating a tremendous amount of fear and hesitancy that's coming into the relationship rather than a, a leading with love. It's mm. leading with their guard up almost too much. I'm not saying yeah. it's important to not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have uh, awareness of perhaps yeah. predatory behavior and red flags, but uh, I, I'd be lying if I said I, I'm not more aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel also as well that women are leading a lot more with their masculine energy when it comes to dating or entering into relationships? Because we, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, or you were saying how the feminist movement has gone pretty far. And something I've said is that the feminist movement is actually very masculine. Like it's very led by like masculine ideologies and beliefs. And it's not leading with the attraction and the pulling in and the heart of the feminine. And so what do you feel like that's actually happening within dating world and relationships? Yeah, it's it's ironic because the feminist movement is actually to- toxically masculine. It's so it's toxic, masculine, and dominating, rather yes. than nurturing and loving. 
yes. in the beginning, it, it certainly came from a nurturing and loving place. But then it, it got mm-hmm. to the point where it was uh, exactly what I would see in somebody with a wounded masculine energy within them. Every thousand percent shows up in the. And again, we're, we're talking about extreme. Yeah. movement. We're not talking because yeah. like, I know there will be certain girls who listen to this and go, this guy doesn't know what feminism is. And no, no, no. <laughs> I, I understand there is, yeah. there, there will always need to be this opposing side that kind of like yeah. a healthy, loving check in, in right. balance. similarly to be in a, in a relationship where you need to lovingly check your partner sometimes be like, Hey, you can't talk right. like that. Exact same thing in the world when we're talking about men's and women's rights. However, there is some very extreme cases that are unfortunately very loud. Yeah. <laughs> the the entire workforce, like for example, the 24 hour uh, clock is based on the male biological clock. Right. Yes. Right? Yes. Women have a monthly rhythm. Men have a 24 hour rhythm. Yes. So women are being bred into this working system that is already based on men's hormonal structures, essentially uh, their wake and sleep times, their, their circadian rhythms uh, mm-hmm. as compared to the infradian rhythms. Uh, for women. And that is just the first step. Then we get into the work culture. The work culture has these power dynamics that are very much masculine uh, focused power dynamics. And then they leave work and then they go to the gym, which is again, a very masculine environment. And then they get home and now, you know, let's say 12, 10 to 12 hours of the day is, is, is gone. And they try to then step out of this outer core masculine energy as, as David data would, would, would describe it. And they have a very hard time because they're so yeah. stuck in this masculine nature all day, this drive to succeed, the structure, this, all of these things that are not flowy. They're not movement. They're not creative. They're not even something as simple as dancing, but they're not nurturing, yes. loving all of these yeah. things that are naturally within the feminine. Now to keep in mind, eight out of 10 women, as per my mentors before me have taught me are feminine core individuals. Mm-hmm. One out of 10 will be a balanced core and one out of 10 will be a masculine, masculine core. So yeah. it's not, and I, I want to make sure that people understand that when we talk about masculinity and femininity, these are not gender specific. Like, like we said, there's a lot of nuance to all of this. And if you have questions, mm-hmm. just reach out to me. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so much. I feel like there's so much to say there. And I feel like there's not enough voices that are talking about it within just how we address the masculine and feminine, that men can be feminine, that women can be masculine, that you can even, I mean, I led with my masculine for a long time Mm -hmm. until I actually did a deep dive meditation. We, there was like a lot of forgiveness, a lot of things broken off, like a lot of inner work that was done. And it was like, oh, I'm just protecting myself. I'm protecting my heart right now. And my husband was doing the same, but the opposite because he was always in a state of fear of abandonment. So he was like, as long as I stay quiet and loving and everything. Yes. And, and it did not work. We did like, sure. There was still polarity and we stayed together, but it wasn't how it was supposed to be, you know? So the, the reaction to that was infidelity. There was, you know, porn addiction, all this stuff because we weren't getting and fulfilling our needs romantically because we were both acting from places that weren't authentic. So I'm curious as what you feel like the, is there a solution to this? Like, what do you feel like, you know, as a relationship coach, 
how do you coach someone into entering into their feminine or entering into their masculine? Yeah, that's really situational dependent. That's like basically sure. That's that's yeah. literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've had Olympic athletes reach out to, to talk about these things. And it's like, there's wow. a lot of women who are in these, these cases who are like, yeah, I've, I've just been having to lead my whole life without getting into, I would say the direct things that you can do. I, I think, have you explained to people before the two cores that they have within them? Can you? Yeah. Okay, let's go on. So essentially we've got our, our main core, uh, our core energy, and this is either going to be masculine, it's going to be feminine, or it's going to be a balance of the two. Mm. Based on my gender as a male, eight out of 10 people, eight out of 10 males would have a masculine core. One out of 10 would be balanced. One out of 10 would be a feminine core. This is not mm. wrong. This is not good nor bad. It just is. And if yeah. you deny this of yourself, you are going to be denying your truth and causing yourself a lot of pain for a long time. Mm. You are not going to be adjusting your life to what your true nature is. Now, these cores of energy, and again, the we would just switch that. So for women, it would be eight out of 10 would be feminine, as we mentioned. Right. But these, when we talk feminine, masculine, what we were talking about is the characteristics uh, that are kind of put under one name. So masculinity has certain characteristics and then femininity also has certain characteristics. I'm actually going to create a, a resource for people to go to where they can kind of mm -hmm. just go to this to figure out which they are. Love that. Now, that's our, our core energy. That doesn't change. However, we have an outer core. So if you picture like a tube inside of a tube, basically, mm -hmm. right? Our outer core energy is the energy that we adjust to tailor to our external environment. Mm -hmm. This is the core that women are turning into their more masculine. The, their outer core. So their inner core is always going to be that feminine, which is why they're hurting because they want to go back to this feminine nature. And this may manifest as anxiety. This may manifest as disease. This may manifest as anger and resentment and snappiness and who, whatever else, because their outer core, they've had to adjust it to so much of these masculine tendencies. Mm. For men, very much, very much uh, the same way is like, whatever we, uh, we might be, uh, for example, I'm a very much balanced core individual, uh, which is mm. kind of annoying, <laughs> but I have to, I have to accept that because I'm a very emotional person. It's one of the reasons why people can come to me and I can hold space for them because I can connect emotionally with them. Whereas most men won't at right. the level at least. Right. So I will cry at dog videos. I will cry almost every time I watch a movie. I, I yeah. am I'm, I'm very sensitive and I, I, yeah. I have to be, be aware of. So for me, my outer core energy, for example, in this situation, I'm very much trying to take the lead and I can tailor mm. this to be very, very much masculine when I'm, um, yeah, in a situation like this where I'm just talking, 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 but I'm, I'm trying to lead this conversation a little bit more. Maybe I'm hosting a seminar or whatever it may be, right? I have right. to lead these scenarios. But there are then are other times where I am speaking with a client where I then have to I'm my outer core then has to adjust to a much more feminine nature. I have to be understanding. I have to have these things. Now, yeah. everybody has the ability to do this. This is why a masculine core individual, when a woman is begging for him to please just listen to me, hear me, like yeah. I want to sit down and have a conversation with you. If he is not able to tap into his feminine femininity in his outer core, even though it's not at his masculine core, yeah. then there's, we've got problems here. And this is yeah. called essentially broken, uh, broken femininity. Like he is not able to access this. So mm. if we look at yin yang symbol, for example, I think yes. this is an example on, on half of the, if, if, if two people are coming together, we've got the, the big halves of it. We've got a little dot on either side. 
And this is what balances us out. So the most masculine man is not masculine unless he has that little dot of feminine. This is a balanced man. This is a healthy masculine. If that little dot of feminine isn't there and he is not able to access this space, this is where we start to find toxic, quote unquote, masculinity. This is where he'd be aggressive, controlling, potentially even abusive, uh, dismissive, ignoring all of these things that would come along with this. So I think that's just a, we maybe should have led with that. (laughs) I think that maybe would have been a little more uh, insightful in the beginning. But if people are listening to this point, fantastic. I hope that helps understand it. I will have resources in the future for you to go through and basically make tests for yourself to see like, okay, am I this or the other? Because a lot of times people will get confused, especially if their outer core, uh, whatever they they have to project out to interact with the the world is one thing for so long. They think that's just what their energy is. Right. Yes. I actually, I love how you explain that because there is time and places of how you project yourself. There's certain environments that as a woman, like I have to present myself in a more masculine ways. I'm a business owner. So it's mm-hmm. like, I have employees, you know, I have six employees that work for me. So it's like, Hey, I have to step into a more masculine space when I'm dealing with my employees and people that we work for. And so there's things like that where it's like, yes, I can present myself in that way, but that doesn't mean that's in my core. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of, I think it happens on both sides there for men. It, at least from my perspective, it can, for them, it can feel like they're weak by presenting like their emotional side and by holding space for a woman in that way and being emotional, crying, you know, letting the, letting everything show it's, it's very, they don't see it as vulnerable. They see it as weak. And for women, they think that their masculinity in tapping into that is unattractive and that it's going to push people away. Both do not have to be like entirely wrong to be fair. Let's please tell me that explain Uh, in the spaces. They're not looking you as a business owner in your, in your role as like, I'm, I'm running a ship right now. You're, you're not looking for attractiveness in that situation. You're looking to get shit done. Yes. It, in that case, it's very much appropriate, but I'm not, it's not wrong to say at the same time that would make a masculine man unattracted to you in that moment. This yes. is where it comes back to the original question of now, if you come home and you are still leading with that masculine, right? now we've got a problem because now we've likely got a masculine energy combating with a masculine energy and now we're creating friction. This yes. is where fights start. This is where all of these things start. I'm not saying that's the only reason that fights start, but this will just create a low level of anger and uh, battle in the relationship at that point. That's when, yes, I have to teach people how to, how a man can help pull, bring her back into her feminine space. Because really a lot of the time, I think this comes back to the man. Not all cases, not all cases. Sometimes mm. we'll often just will refuse him. For example, if he has been so inconsistently not able to lead she will not trust his lead um right. that that's why i say like that's such a broad answer like i, I have to look at yeah this sure i totally get that that makes so much sense because there there are so many nuances that go into like individuals and that is probably why people yeah and why people go to you like or someone like you who is a relationship coach and that are looking for that do you feel like that's those are your main clientele that comes to you are people who are 
kind of stuck or desperate even in those situations? Yeah, I think desperate's been a word that comes up quite quite frequently. Um, yes, I would say so. Unfortunately, I wish it was more people in healthy relationships would come to me before it gets bad. Right. <laughs> I yeah. really wish because like they don't, they don't again, we this is the saying you don't know what you don't know until you find out what you don't know. Um, because I thought I was in an extremely healthy relationship for many years until all of a sudden. I didn't know. <laughs> and I found out yeah. there were issues that were present and I wasn't aware of. Um, however, that simply is not the case. A lot of times people need to get, you know, the pink slip, the eviction notice or whatever it may be to make change. Right. Uh, so yes, I would say most people are coming to me in, in a situation of um, um, deep desire for sudden change, which unfortunately yes. these things, we can make sudden changes, but quite often we, we need to catch these a little sooner. And, but yeah doesn't mean you shouldn't make these changes, especially for at least for your next relationship. If it's gotten to that point. Are you, do you deal with mainly singles or people in relationships or married? Both. Uh, All all, all of the above. I have single men who come to me. Uh, I have men who, yeah, I've got single men who come to me who are like a lot of times even helping them through breakups. Uh, It's it's a really Mm. tough situation. Essentially like I'm a relationship coach, but I do a lot of like space holding for people and just helping them process these, whatever they're going through. Um, I cringe to call it life coaching, but to a certain degree, it is many areas of life will come into it. So that's why I kind of just say a holistic relationship coach, because a lot of times it's these even single people, it's not a relationship with another person, but it's relationship with self. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Cause that's what it always comes back down to, right? Like a reflection of our relationship is really a reflection to our own self. It's our, our, it's our mirror. Absolutely. So we had some followers ask some questions. So are you down to answer a couple? Yeah, let's see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our first question was, what's a number one, what's your number one piece of advice to keep a marriage relationship healthy and a number one problem and how to prevent it slash fix it? Okay, first of all, yes, make sure that your partner is what I would consider your uh, appropriate responding energy. So masculine and feminine, knowing those characteristics and how they play together. Honestly, when you go down to the the deepest root cause, that's really important. If we got two masculine individuals together, this is not uncommon. You get a business guy who really, really, really loves, I want to be with another businesswoman. And if they're just constantly in their masculine, that is going to tear it apart. You you do need to understand. And I'm not saying those situations don't exist, but when you have like two high end, like the Alex Hormoses and Layla Hormoses, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But I have to imagine, I don't know this, but when they're then together in their own intimate time and away from the businesses, even though she presents herself as nothing but this business, business woman, they right. are able to then drop back into their more uh, traditional uh, energy. Yeah. But if, if you're not choosing your people well enough, and, but that again, it doesn't mean that she's technically a masculine individual. You just see a lot of these traits online. So understanding truly where somebody is at their core. And I would say, I'd probably say the next one would be communication um, oh. and communication on communication. So I was, Socrates said that the, the, the beginning of wisdom begins with a definition of terms. So for example, if, if I were to say, what is healthy communication in our relationship? Um, you should probably begin by discussing what that actually means. So mm. let's emphasize the importance of listening when I'm, I'm talking, listening with empathy, validating each other's feelings and avoiding uh, blame throughout these communication. 
if you are able to communicate effectively together, this really takes care of most of the issues. I'd say the next thing would be uh, to preserve each other's energy is differentiating between sharing and venting. Mm. I think that's really important where sharing might be expressing your, maybe your feelings or your concerns in, in some sort of a constructive manner uh, and being able to understand somebody from that emotional standpoint, whereas venting is just this, you know, verbal puke of emotions and stuff. Right. Out. And kind of just helping each other recognize, uh, hey, I either need to vent right now or I'm sharing with you right now. And being constructive in that approach is, is probably really important. Men probably also need to realize in a lot of these situations that when a woman is sharing with you, she's not oftentimes looking for a solution. Right. She's looking for you to listen and yeah. be there with her. Right. Yeah. I'd say number three would probably be uh, establish boundaries when you're having communication with each other. You know, mm. what is acceptable? What are we going to, when we're having these discussions or when are we even having these discussions? Like, for example, if we want to discuss stressful topics, such as let's maybe not have stressful conversations around bedtime or um, mm. maybe let's set specific times to have deeper conversations on certain topics, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would say number four, because I mean, I could add 50 to this, but I would say if we're going to do four important things, number four would be use I statements um, mm. instead of you statements. So for example, that would be, Hey, you always make me feel like this, or um, you always say this. Instead, bringing it back to the the good old quote that I, I was I said earlier, which is just like, I am not responsible for the way that you react to me. It, this isn't yeah. right. Uh, so instead, we 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 can talk with, I feel like this when you say this. I right. this is the internal feeling that I'm having. Yeah. Uh, not does that allow you to understand that this is a you thing and not necessarily always going to be a them thing? Um, right. However, it also lets them understand that when you're speaking from an emotional standpoint, or this is this is what's coming up for me right now, they can go, it doesn't feel like they're being blamed, right? So yes. this is, uh, I would say those, those communication tips would probably go a long way if established early can save a marriage and keep it from hitting the ground really quickly. But just awesome. to get me to say one thing for either or is very difficult. It's very, very hard. <laughs> no, I, think, that's good. I think understanding how to effectively communicate with each other is probably far and above the most important things. Definitely. A thousand percent. I could not agree with you more. Okay. This one was an interesting one. I feel like I know you I feel like I know what you're gonna say, but I'm curious. Oh, it's gonna be huh? <laughs> okay. So someone says, why? do men say that they want a relationship, but then their actions say the opposite? Oh my. <sighs> oh boy. I wish I could know what the actions of this person was. I do too. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. There's so many things we could go into with that. It's not that they don't want a relationship. I I, I think again, this might just, it sounds like such a, it sounds like, such a quote, but I, I don't think that person has an, a, an understanding of what they actually want. One of the first things that I like to talk about with my clients is values, mm. because a lot of times, specifically with men, if you do not have a set uh, values, both internally of how you want to be treated by the world, as well as externally, what you want from your life, if you can make yeah. a top five of each of those, you will not be blown with the wind. You will not be confused by your own emotions. 
So it's not to say that this person doesn't want a relationship. They probably do at some point in time. They just literally sound like they're probably not ready in, in this exact moment, but they don't yeah. even know. They're genuinely confused because they yeah. don't have a, a code of values and a way that they are planning to live by. Like if mm. a man doesn't have a plan, right? He will yeah. be very much like a sailboat in the ocean, blown every single which way. Yeah. I would definitely say this is probably a very good sign of somebody who doesn't have a plan, doesn't have value set in place, very likely is not good at communicating. Um, yeah. I think this also goes back to the old classic. Uh, you you both are guessing. <laughs> uh, right. You know, I, I saw a post this morning from somebody who the guy, he basically said, um, if this person like doesn't text you back in a certain amount of time, it obviously shows that she doesn't care. I'm like, you're literally guessing. Yes. You have right. no idea what they think. How about you right. just, hey, I'm interested in you and I'm looking to pursue you romantically. Yeah. And based on our first conversations, where are you at? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something as simple as that could go a long way. So I, I would ask them. I would definitely communicate. But I do think yeah. a lot of it goes back to the fact that he's probably also quite confused. Mm. I don't know if that's a good enough answer for that, but that's at least top of mind what comes up without knowing the details. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, advice wise, would you say just ask him? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, I noticed we've gone on a few dates or we've been talking for a little while and you said you wanted a relationship. I'm also looking to pursue that. Where are you at with this? Because I'm just noticing from some of these things, it seems from my end, I feel coming back to the yes. yeah. I feel like you may not be showing me that you're ready for this. And I don't feel like right now you would be able to give me the needs or, or to, to cover my needs in a relationship. Can we talk about yeah. this? Like simple, something as simple as that. I know it doesn't sound simple, but <laughs> being able to communicate that and have that conversation is going to save you a lot of heartache. Yeah. And I feel like we're, our society has, we've like padded ourselves so much that we're terrified of no, we're terrified of hearing rejection or like, oh, I'm not your person. Like, it's not me. Like I'm uninterested. And there's a lot of fear for that, both on the men's side and on the women's side. And it's totally fair. Yeah. You feel that sensation, breathe yes. in that spot and learn how to process it. We yeah. as humans are here living, we are consciousness inside of a human experience, which means yes. we are to experience these things, whatever you perceive as good and bad, you just need to yeah. learn how to perceive these new feelings you've never felt before, most likely. Yeah. Because the more that we experience it, the less scary it gets. It's like, oh, okay. Like I'm I can safe. move on from this emotion. You know, I can, this doesn't define who I am. Cause I think that's what a lot of people do is they create, they make it a part of their identity. And it's like, oh, this person rejected me. I am no longer a value or what I thought I was, I'm no longer. And, you know, we have these all of the fears come on and when we can actually dissect them and break it down of like, no, I'm still a value. I'm still a beautiful human. I'm, you know, I can, there's somebody else better for me. That's better suited for me. And well, tell, tell you what, let me ask you a question. You might get this really quickly and we can play out this exercise because this is an okay. exercise I play with a lot of people. Who sure. are you? Who am I as Bethany? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. See, we're going to have fun here. <laughs> God, I have so many. I feel a lot when you say that, actually. I know. <laughs> That's what we're getting at. There's a lot there. 
what's top of mind just spewed off flow of consciousness what's coming up oh evolved sexy Mm. um known confident so for the sake of time i'm going to help you out a little bit yeah you're already one step ahead of where most people go when i ask who are you and jane goes well i'm jane i'm like okay that's a four letter word or name for a title of something let's go deeper and we'll keep going deeper okay here this is my job i'm like okay so that's a location and that's again another title of something that Mm. you exchange for monetary value we keep going down the list and people are like okay well i guess i'm my thoughts right and i say okay but you can you're able to perceive your thoughts you're able to see your thoughts right and they're like okay yes okay so i Okay, what comes from the thoughts? Okay, well, my thoughts come from my emotions, right? My my emotions stimulate my thoughts and my reactions. Okay, great. But how do you feel right now? They're like, I feel uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. It's usually, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but you are able to perceive that. Therefore, are you that? Very much the way I see this, this microphone in front of my face, I'm able to perceive it, but am I it? No. If we keep peeling back the onion and go dark and just farther and farther back, we come to the realization that what we are is awareness. We are Mm. consciousness. I actually gave it away a little earlier, Um, Mm. but we are consciousness. We are in consciousness in a human experience, awareness, pure loving awareness, God, the universe, however you want to call it. And it seems like for some reason, we as humans have this interesting tuning fork inside of our brain that allows us to be aware. Whereas Mm. as far as we know, most other animals don't have that. For some reason, we are able to process our emotions because we can see them. We're aware of them. We're not autopilot, or at least we have the opportunity to not be run by these thoughts, these emotions, and these things. So Mm. oftentimes, one of the things I do for my clients is I build custom uh, meditation and breath works for them so they can practice presence each and every day. And one of the things I will often say in this when I'm recording it, I'll get my sweet, soft, sultry voice on for it. <laughs> and uh, and I'll, re- I'll basically let them know and remind them that I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. I am not my past. I am not these events that have happened to me. I am awareness. I am consciousness. I am nirvana. And Ooh. we can consistently remind ourselves that we are not these things. Oftentimes we can start to sit back and live life from the seat of the watcher or the witness or mm. consciousness, or, I mean, you did say this is a faith-based podcast, so yeah. maybe God, if God yeah. is in all of us, right? This then allows us to coming back to the point is when we have these events happen to us and we feel unworthy, we feel rejected, we fear even the idea of these things. If we are able to practice presence enough, And the more that we do it, we start to realize that those things are simply happening to our person, Mm. not us, not consciousness, but this animal that we have now become enlightened to this realization that we've essentially now adopted this thing that has had all of these things and events happen to it in its past. All of these traumas that have created triggers, all of these fears from events that have happened, all of these people that have rejected us that make us feel all of these things. And we start to realize, oh, we are actually separate from this. So now I need to take care of this hurt little boy or this hurt little girl that is projecting all of these things out of us. Mm. That is what I basically consider modern enlightenment. I love that. That is so cool. And I think this is like a really good place to end because I feel like that just felt that I feel like really... 
Yeah. Like, I feel like this really gives our listeners something to meditate on and something to even go into practice with of even asking themselves, who are you? Like, who am I, you know, and going beyond those surface things, surface, you know, the quick answers, pausing and holding space for yourself of really engaging with that feeling and those emotions that come up. Think about it this way to make it a little less personal, right? If anybody's ever adopted a dog, you know, the dog might pee on the carpet. It might bite at you. It might bark at you because it's scared. And that's simply because this little rescue dog has been through all of these experiences. It's, it's not known to be, it's just unconsciously moving throughout its day. Right. The same way that you would rescue that dog and you would take it on daily walks. You would give it unconditional love. You would feed it the best food that you could possibly give it. You would groom it. You would love it. You would do all of these things to make sure it lives the happiest and best life that it can possibly live because it is an unconscious animal that is run by its conditioning. That yeah. is our person. And so mm. essentially consider from this point forward, you have just adopted this person. And now we need to consciously be aware of these things. And that is how we start to create unconditional love for ourselves and others. Because then we not only start to realize these things about ourselves, but we start to then realize that all of these people that were around in life are unconscious. And then mm. we start to realize, oh, that person is just on autopilot and we can have more empathy for them. Yeah. Ah, that's so good, Denon. You're incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate your wisdom and your insight. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Should I spell my name? Do, do I dare? <laughs> do you dare? <laughs> I will make sure it's in the show notes. So if they can't get it right, we're good. Yeah, I would say if, you, if you're looking for somebody to talk to, somebody to have conscious conversations with, hold space for you for whatever you're going through, talk about your relationships or try to you know improve your life in some way that you can find success in whatever area that you're looking for. Perhaps it's just personal success that will in turn uh, lead to success in relationships in the future. I'd love to talk with you. As you can tell, I can talk about this all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy helping people. So yeah, That's check so out my uh, Instagram link in the show notes. There's going to be a lot of resources and uh, courses and small things coming in the future that you can come to, to just uh, learn on your own or jump right into the, the real coaching thing. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on again, Denon. Love you, sister. I appreciate that you trusted right. me with your brand on here. Of course, of course. And guys, we will see you in the next one.